I begin this morning by bidding your prayers for the Reverend Patricia Rose, who, um, as you can see in your bulletin, was expected to be our preacher this morning. She is contending with a rather persistent flu and had very much hoped to be with us as of yesterday and realized that she was simply still too ill. So we pray for God's healing grace to be poured out upon her and hope she'll be back with us soon. And you will find no complaining from me for a last minute opportunity to preach in Advent because I love the season of Advent. It's probably my favorite season of the liturgical year. But the Advent calendar is causing me a bit of stress this year As you may have noticed, Christmas Day falls on a Monday this year, as it does every six or seven years. As a result, the fourth Sunday of Advent and Christmas Eve both fall on December 24th, which presents a challenge to churches that want to keep both observances. At St. Paul's, we will celebrate the fourth Sunday of Advent at 1 10 a.m. service that morning and Christmas Eve beginning at 4 p.m. in the afternoon through to the midnight mass. If attendance data from the last time this occurred is a reliable guide, however, very few people will keep Advent 4, and most will opt to come only for Christmas Eve. But this year, I'd like to challenge you, the faithful people of St. Paul's, to prove history wrong. Let's pack the church for the last celebration of Advent at 10 a.m. on December 24th. I'll see you here. After all, on the fourth Sunday of Advent, the Blessed Virgin Mary is always the star of the show. And I am sure you will agree that it is meet and right to dwell with the mother of our Lord for an hour or so before she gives birth to the Savior of the world. Indeed, it is a shame when Advent gets cut short because our society already pushes us to move right past Advent and begin celebrating Christmas in November. To repeat a statistic I shared with you last year, according to one music streaming service, the song All I Want for Christmas Is You by Mariah Carey had already been streamed five million times the day after Thanksgiving. But in an act of countercultural defiance, we liturgical Christians insist on walking the way of Advent before we celebrate Christmas. And as my favorite preacher in the whole world, Fleming Rutledge, reminds us, the season of Advent begins in the dark. By this, she means that before we embrace the light and joy of Christmas, we confront the world's darkness in Advent. In this season of Advent, we look squarely at the problem of evil in the world without flinching and acknowledge the world's suffering, the wreckage of wars, poverty, and natural disasters. Advent calls us to confront the dire consequences of sin and our participation in it. In the words of this morning's collect, in Advent, we pray for God to give us grace to heed the prophet's warnings to repent and forsake our sins. Now, at this point, you may be thinking that rushing straight to Christmas doesn't sound like such a bad idea after all. You may be wondering what's so great about a season that focuses us on the world's brokenness. 
What is to be gained from such an honest look into the dark? And the answer, Advent tells us, is nothing less than our freedom and liberation. Recall the very first words we prayed in this morning's worship. Blessed are you, holy and living one. You come to your people and set them free. This promise of freedom means that we do not have to live in denial. We can confront the world's brokenness, not with despair, but with hope. Because the good news of the gospel, the good news of Advent, is that God is coming to set us free from all that holds us captive. In Advent, we hear the voice in the wilderness calling us to make a straight path through the desert because God is on the move. This voice, this herald of good tidings, announces that God is about to solve the dilemma of human sin once and for all. In Advent, we prepare ourselves for God's rescue operation, the once and future coming of Jesus Christ, his Son. His first coming in the manger at Bethlehem, and his future coming in power and glory. This story of God's intervention is announced each year in Advent by a locust-eating, camel-hair-clad prophet named John the Baptist. And every, sun, every year, we meet John the Baptist on not just one, but two Sundays in Advent. Yes, he will be back next Sunday for part two. Stay tuned. John the Baptist, you could say, is the star of Advent. Although the actual John the Baptist would resoundingly resist being called the star of anything, because as he says over and over, his role is to prepare the way for the real star, who is Jesus. This John, this greatest among prophets, speaks of himself only by pointing away from himself to the one whose sandals he is unfit to untie. The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me, he says. But we should not overlook the fact that John the Baptist is featured in all four Gospels, and there are very few things that all four Gospels agree on, which tells us that there is no good news without John. To quote my favorite preacher again, Fleming Rutledge tells us that this wild man, John the Baptist, is defined by his location. And John's location, she writes, is on a frontier, a frontier of the ages. Yes, John bridges two ages, the gap between the Old and New Testaments. He straddles two worlds, calling down the judgment of God on the former age, but also looking forward to the redemption of God in the age to come. Rutledge reminds us that John is both the last and the first. He is the last and greatest of the Hebrew prophets, but the first person to belong to the arriving age of the kingdom of God. And today, on the second Sunday of Advent, this frontier-dwelling prophet invites us to repent, to turn away from sin and toward a promised future of liberation and freedom. John refuses to let us off the hook, reminding us that whether we realize it or not, 
We too are part of systems of suffering in the world. And in a moment, in our confession of sin, we will acknowledge this pledge and pledge to repent of the evil that enslaves us, including the evil done on our behalf, those systems that benefit us while oppressing others. And even as we name, acknowledge, and affirm sin's hold on us, we cling confidently to the Advent hope that God can and will deliver us from the evil that enslaves us. Today, John the Baptist, the great herald of hope, calls to us from his place on the frontier between two ages as he announces God's rescue operation. Much like John, we are an Advent people defined by our location. And our location is on a border between Christ's first coming and his second. And on this, Advent, on this Advent frontier, we live not in despair, but in confident hope that Jesus, the Messiah, the one John the Baptist came to proclaim, will indeed come again. So get ready. Prepare the way. God is on the move. Amen.